Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from the book of Galatians, beginning in the second chapter with the 14th through the 21st verse. The Apostle Paul is talking about the fundamentals of our faith, and you need to give ear to what he has to say. Paul is speaking and saying, But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in the presence of all, If you, being a Jew, live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? We are Jews by nature and not sinners from among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Since by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if, while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners, is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I build what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and delivered himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, Then Christ died needlessly. Lord, for the sake of our souls, help us to understand what we have read this morning. Uh, There seems to be a higher breed of Christians that wear a smile at all times, and they give you the impression that if you hit them, you would not bruise them, and if you cut them, they would not bleed. And they give you the appearance and the feeling that they have never been disappointed. And they go around with a smile that seems to be more plastered on their face than coming from the pit of their heart and their soul. And then there are those of us of a lesser breed. If you hit us, we do hurt. And if you cut us, we do bleed. And there are those disappointments and situations that come to us that are greatly upsetting from time to time. And I feel often like my friend Ted Hightower, a Methodist preacher that is now retired, said when he prayed in the morning to the Lord to help him to be the person that he needed to be in this particular day, that he'd have to go to bed many times at night and forgive the Lord for not doing what he asked him to do to start with. And some of us know what that means, and some of us have felt that way. And yet there is a way for us to live and to be alive that is absolutely fantastic, and is absolutely wonderful, and we can be absolutely victorious over whatever might be in any one given day 
that you and I are called to live. And that in spite of the fact that we live in an imperfect world and in spite of the fact that we are an imperfect person, an imperfect person who hurts and causes hurts to other people because of what we do, yes, in many situations what we do not do, and in spite of the knowledge that we have about life, there is a way for us to be able to live and we can live in a creative way. And we can say this morning, as we said yesterday morning, and we will be able to say tomorrow morning, Hallelujah, glory to God, I'm alive. How can we say this? Now these past few Sundays, I have been dealing with not the dessert of our gospel. Along with Paul and what he would say, I have been dealing with the meat of our gospel. And we have been dealing with those things and those uh, principles and those thoughts and concepts that's the very heart of our Christian faith. And these are the truths that you can anchor your heart and your soul to. And I do not care whether heaven and hell is upside down and turned inside out. And it doesn't make any difference how hard the wind howls or how severe the sea rages, that when the storm is over, if you have your soul anchored to what I've been talking about, it will only come out that your soul has been refreshed and beautified and you're the much better person for having gone through what God has called you to go through. Now, folks, that is really saying something. And it is wonderful. And it is beautiful what we are talking about this morning. Now, it's something that you and I, as we look at the cross, need to take another look again and to reaffirm or reassure ourselves from whence comes our salvation. Now, some years ago, I had an experience that is going to live on with me until the day I die. While, as a young person, I was working in the Jeff Boat shipyards over here across the river from us as a welder. And we usually worked in teams during the day. And I remember this day that I had this buddy of mine working with me, and we stopped for lunch, and he went over somewhere to get his lunch, and I had my lunch with me, and so I stayed on the boat and came back at the time to start up for, for the second round after our break. He had his uh, big old Lincoln welder down the ground there, and it was gasoline propelled. And mine's all I had to do just throw a switch, and it was electric. And so he started up his engine, and I was standing up on the bow of the boat, about 40 feet above him, looking down on him as he was doing his work starting his engine up. And he started the engine up, and it uh, fired fine, and then he went back to the back of the piece of equipment to throw the breaker. Uh, that uh, would make it possible for the generator to generate the electricity that it needed to weld with. Well, when he touched that breaker, it looked as if a giant had taken hold of him, just picked him up and threw him uh, just about 15 feet over on some tracks there that the big crane ran on. And I thought it had killed him. But he jumped up and... <laughs> and did what you and I will do when we slip and fall. You know, the first thing you want to do is not feel whether you're hurt or not, but look around and see who's looking. And so that's what he did, and he didn't see me. And then when he stood up, looked around, he did a very strange thing. I noticed him doing this and this and touching himself and his legs, and so he finally got over where I could talk to him, asked him was he hurt, did he need to go to the infirmary and all this sort of stuff, no. I said, well, you did something very strange. I said, why did you do this? He says, well, he says, I tell you. 
He says, I wanted to make sure I wasn't dead and I had all my parts still, still working. He says, the only thing that I think that has happened to me this morning, he chewed tobacco. He says, I have swallowed my cud of tobacco. <laughs> now, folks, I want to tell you something. Now, we don't have any tobacco to chew or we don't chew it. And I want to tell you that there's nothing out there in that life today or tomorrow that you can take hold of that's going to throw you and this life that can keep you from being what God intended for you to be when he created you and called you into existence. Now you see, we need to take a look again and see what is the center of our salvation. Now, folks, here's something you can hook your soul to. Now listen, here it is. Now let us return to the specific thing that the Apostle Paul is talking about. While Paul was preaching out in the outer fringes of the country, Peter and Cephas was back in Jerusalem, and they were preaching back in the home church. And old Paul was out there talking to the Gentile people and whoever would listen to him about the Lord Jesus Christ and the cross and how one could live and how one could accept the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And back at the home base, they had shifted the emphasis from what Jesus brought back to the Old Testament. And they were preaching that a person could be saved and only could be saved if he kept the law. And so Peter was restoring the old Jewish concept of salvation. And here's where we pick up our scripture. Paul says, I stood up in a congregation and rebuked them from shifting the emphasis back to the law. And this is why he is saying that at the very center of our salvation does not stand law, but stands the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, oh, what a mouthful to say. At the very center of our salvation is the cross. It is not the keeping of the law. It is the cross that is the center of our salvation. Salvation is only found here. Without the cross, there is no salvation. Without the cross, there is no hope anywhere, any place upon the face of this earth. And this is why Paul is saying to these people here at Galatia that I have been crucified with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, do you think that is a statement that only the Apostle Paul can make because he was good, great, and profound, great preacher and went out across the countryside and did all the wonderful, marvelous things that he did? Do you think that he is the only one who can say that? Now, folks, I want to tell you something. Now, if you don't hear another thing I say this morning, just listen carefully right now, and then you can stop listening. When Jesus Christ died upon the cross, every human being from that time on throughout eternity now, every human being that will ever live has been and was crucified with the Lord Jesus Christ when he was crucified on the cross. Now I can see in my mind's eye this old thief that died with Christ, crucified there, literally, physically, with Christ. And I can see him in heaven now, and he's back over in the back toward somewhere talking to the angels, and he's bragging a little bit, and rightly so. And he is saying to them, he says, he says, don't you know, I was crucified with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's right, he was. And so can every living one of us today make the same statement. Because when Jesus died there upon the cross, 
You were crucified with him. Now, folks, that goes for the man or the woman out here in the street that is a pagan and will never accept the reality or the responsibility of the cross. But Jesus died for them on the cross just as much as he died for you and me as we were in this worship service this morning. Every human being. Nail it down in your soul. Let your heart, your soul, and your mind feed upon it. Because, you see, we come to this place where then we know through the cross the deadly power of death and Satan has been broken forever. Not for a short period of time, uh, but forever. Now, you see, sometimes Christians just wear me out. You go, you come, you struggle, you do all these things, you get up early, you go to bed late, and you meditate, and you read the Bible, and that you ought to do. And then you have such a hard time being a Christian. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. It is not by the law that you're saved. It is not because you get up early and come in late that you're saved. And this doesn't necessarily have anything to do with it at all. You don't have to wear yourself out uh, to be a Christian because Jesus did something for you in a very special way when he died upon the cross and there you were crucified with him. And it was on this cross that the deadly power of Satan and sin was broken forever. And apart from the cross, there can be and there is no salvation. Sin can only be forgiven by the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ upon Calvary's cross. Before we take communion, we reaffirm the fact that here is where God once offered forevermore the sacrifice for you and for me. The world sneers at the cross. They think it is stupid, but it doesn't change one splinter or one stain of the old cross that still stands. And this is why the Apostle Paul could say that I know that neither death nor life nor powers nor principalities nor things present nor things to come Things above, things below will be able to separate me from the love of God as it is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that fantastic? Now, if I come to the place where I really believe that I am crucified with the Lord Jesus Christ, it happened, and I claim it by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, then, dear friends, it seems to me that I am in a position for several things to happen to me. And I want to mention just two or three of them this morning before we go home. And then it seems to me that if I really see what really took place, if I really see what God did for me, how he broke the power of sin and death and restored me completely and totally to my rightful place in the kingdom of God, and then it seems to me that I would be motivated to live with joy, that I'd be motivated to live with a great deal of enthusiasm because I have a fortune stashed away. You read two weeks ago, maybe, and the paper, I believe it was, I'm not quite sure, where this man on his deathbed, just before he died, told his family, now back at the old factory place where he owned or something, he said, you dig in the ground there, and you're going to find several hundred thousand dollars. I think they dug up, what, five or six hundred thousand dollars. He had it stashed away in milk cans in the ground. He didn't trust banks. He had a fortune stashed away. And so they, sure enough, went back after he died and dug in the ground and found the money. Now, it's not that we don't trust banks, 
But friend, what I'm talking about this morning can't be stashed in banks because there's no bank big enough to hold what you have uh, when you claim salvation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as God has worked it out for you in the cross. Now, isn't that wonderful? The cross has set us free. And how many of you this morning? Now, don't hold up your head. How many of you this morning came to church with joy in your heart? Or how many of you came to church this morning and find your religion a burden to you? My friend, I want to tell you something. It's tragic when we wear our religion as a burden. It was never intended to be that way. And if you find your religion a burden, I want to tell you right now, you do not have, you do not have what Paul is talking about here this morning. You don't have it. You may be close to it. And you may be saved. But you don't have the joy of your salvation simply because you do not believe the basic things of our salvation. If you come to the place where you see the cross as being really what it is and what God has done for us, what a marvelous thing it is. And you know, some time ago, I had a friend come to see me when I was uh, watching a ball game. And so I said to the friend, be seated. And we'll watch the rest of this ball game because it's a very interesting one. The young lady said, well, I'm not too interested in ball games and in those teams. And so we got into the thing, and she jumped up, and she got picked out one team I guess she liked more than the other one. And she got really excited about it. And she got up, walked out of her chair, and began to scream and holler. And she actually stood up in her chair. She just forgot, I guess, where she was. She was really into it, and she just stood up in the chair and hollered for her team. And that's all right. It's nothing wrong with that. A little enthusiasm, you know. And I get that way myself. But here's the thing I want to say. Isn't a pity. Isn't it a pity that we get more excited on seeing our favorite team and our favorite play win than we do coming to church and seeing the Lord Jesus Christ? Our meeting with God. Oh, God never intended for us to go about this business of living as if we never had a friend, as if we never expected to have one, as if we were all alone. God never ever intended for us to live like that. If anybody upon the face of this God-given earth has anything to be excited about, it is you and I, as we contemplate and as we think about the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and what God has done for us already. Now, in these last few weeks, I have presented to you, as best I understand, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the center of our salvation. Now, if you believe that I have presented to you these last few weeks, and even this morning, that we're talking about the basis of our faith, say amen. 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 Well, I'm glad you said that because I want to tell you why. Now, we come to this place where we talk about the truths of our salvation. Now, dear friends, if you see the gospel in any other way, and if you see it as a burden to you, you must then know that something is really amiss within your life. And the only way that it can be righted is for you to turn in the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way it can be corrected. And the only way that you're going to be able to have the peace and the understanding that you need to live with 
in this society of ours. Well, you ought to be motivated to live with joy. You ought to be motivated to give. I look at the cross and think about it, and I know that here's a place where God gave the best that he had, not only the best that he had, but he gave the best that heaven had, and gave it to us, and let it be nailed to a cross simply because he loved you and me. And the opportunity that is yours and mine today is for you to come and to accept what God has already provided for you. Now, now I want to tell you something as I think about the being motivated to give. You know, if we gave a tithe of our income here in and through this body of the Lord Jesus Christ that we would split it to seams. In fact, we would have so much money that we would have to have another committee to decide what to do with it. And instead of that, we struggle over our programs that we try to carry here for the Lord Jesus Christ and for his kingdom. Now, dear friends, I want to tell you, I don't care which way you split it and which way you want to look at it, we don't give in order to be saved. We give because we are saved. And because we have something within the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ that is absolutely fantastic. And this is why old Paul said back over in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, second verse, he says, For I am determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. God gave to me Christ. And this is the important thing. And it is here that I need to be motivated to give, to share with God what he has given to me. This is a time of opportunity. Now, folks, I love you too much to hedge on you, and I am too committed to the Lord Jesus Christ to deceive you. But I want you to know that if you really see the cross as it really is and become involved in it, that you will see that you are partnered in the creation of the kingdom of God here with Jesus Christ right now. Motivated to give. And in the last place, that I would be motivated to share. Motivated to share the message of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what confusion we have here. Oh, what confusion. What confusion. Talk about witnessing scares us to death. That just flat out scares me to death. Try to ask the people to go out and, uh, and visit, and they freeze up like an ice cube. Couldn't talk if someone was killing them. That's such a hassle. And that shouldn't be. It's because we misunderstand. You know, this past week I had a most interesting experience, really. And here's another experience that I've had that I won't readily or quickly forget it. By picking up a part to, to a piece of equipment for the church here, I went down to the supply house and walked in and hobbled in, and there was a long counter. Two men behind the counter, and over in the corner there was a man packing on a typewriter. And then a line over here was one man and three women. And here was a line right here, two men, and I hobbled in this line, and I was the third one in it. And so I hobbled in position to be waited on. The young lady that stands at the end of the line over here, she looked at down at my foot, and she saw that unusual shoe. And she said, did you hurt your foot? I said, yes, I broke my leg. And she says, did you have to go to the hospital? I said, yes. And did the doctor come to see you? Yes, the doctor came to see me. Did the doctor give you a shot? I said, yes, he did. She said, did you cry? I said, well, I thought about it a time or two, but I didn't cry. And she says, I know that that must hurt. And I said, sometimes it does. 
And then about that time, everybody stopped. The man up front there on the desk, he stopped working. And those who were picking up their equipment and stuff, they just stopped and turned around and looked and listened to this conversation I was having. <laughs> Whole business just stopped. Because this young lady was doing the talking, I was doing the answering, you see. And she left that line and walked right over to me and stood right there within a foot of me and looked up at me with those big old blue eyes of hers. I have never seen such love and compassion in anyone's face before. I don't believe. And she looked at my foot and looked up at me again and she said, would it hurt you to dance? <laughs> and with that, everybody laughed. Everybody in there just broke out in a big laugh and she became self-conscious and she stepped back to the protection of her mother because she was all the sum about two years of age, I think. About two years old. Now you see what I have done this morning. I have told you about an encounter with another human being upon the face of this earth. And I have made my witness to you as to what happened. Now listen to me. Listen. It's important. Here is where you and I stand with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, folks, if you have had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have made a commitment to Him, you know it in the citadel of your heart and your soul. You don't need anyone necessarily to tell you how to present or how to say what has happened between you and your Christ. And as all Paul is saying here is for you and I to be in a position as we have the opportunity to share with one another what Christ has done for me and for the world. And if you haven't had an experience like that, then come to this altar and stay until you have an encounter with Christ so that you will have something to go out and to talk about. But it's not our problem that we haven't had the encounter we have. And it's all God is asking us to do is just to share with one another what God through Christ and the cross has done for each one of us. My friend, you look at the cross. Look at the cross. And the lines of that old hymn of long ago, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. And folks, I want to tell you, if you can come in that spirit, and if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know what I'm talking about, you have that ex this experience, you come in the attitude that I have just mentioned to you, and you will have that experience. And you come as we sing this closing hymn. There's nothing upon the face of this God-given earth any more important to you and to your life now and throughout eternity than the cross and what can happen to you when you come to the cross and accept the cross and the freedom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you would like to come and give your heart and soul to the Lord Jesus Christ, you come. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.